0: This podcast was recorded on the Gadigal land of the Ayora Nation and on Ngunnawal and Ngambri Country. This land was stolen and never ceded.
1: We pay our respects to the traditional custodians and elders past and present, and we acknowledge the power of truth-telling and voice in preserving the oldest living culture in the world.
0: Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Clea.
1: And I'm Ava, and you're listening to the Bimbo Industrial Complex love your hair texture today girly oh my god
0: thank you i went to bed with wet hair so that's mm. that's the vibe
1: how's the Sydney life going
0: yeah. It's really good. Except no one says thank you when they get off the bus here, which I find disturbing. Oh. Yeah, I haven't heard a
1: single person do it. That's weird. I find that people don't say hi to you on the street here. No. But that maybe it's like a city thing.
0: But I thought they would in Canberra, because it's like small town kind of vibes.
1: No. Nah. Like if you, if I'm walking the, on the path and someone walks past me. They don't say hi. But maybe that's because I look scary. But I would, in Perth, if I was walking down the street, I would say hi. Mm. To any
0: yeah, maybe you're just giving, giving off vibes. That's probably your fault.
1: All right. Let's get into this episode. Um, let's do it. I'm so excited. I know. This is one that's probably been coming for a while.
0: I think it's we're really
1: gonna we're gonna shine yeah we're in our element um we really are but before we get into that let's talk hot girl recs
0: let's do it so my bimbo rec is going with the theme of the episode which is drinking um and that is making your own like cocktail accoutrements so like The easiest thing ever is drying out citrus in the oven. Like it's so good. And literally you'll see it like on sale, like three little slices of lemon for like 10 bucks. Like just don't buy that. Makes anything fancy. Like you can also do other really cool things like drying out lavender in the oven, basically drying out anything in the oven.
1: Yeah. Making your own syrups as well
0: yeah so good so easy yeah so highly recommend that and then my academic recommendation is just something that i've got back into recently because i decided i want to spend less time on my phone is like puzzle books like sudoku books um sudoku books i should say crosswords word searches like you know when you just would go to the news agency the when news you're like agent. on holiday yeah. as a kid yeah. Word
1: so,
0: yeah. searches. It's if New York so Times fun. had a
1: word search every day, I would froth that.
0: Mm. So I have my New York Times crossword like book. It's really nice. It's like a hard cover as well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah.
1: What about you? What are your recs? Um my recs are okay. Wordle. The wordle community drama, like we can't get into it right now. Like whether it's become harder since the New York Times once this episode comes out did you do it yesterday
0: i did yeah can you
1: spoil it. okay once mm-hmm. this episode comes out we can safely spoil vivid i actually got that in Oh so. well okay uh because two double letters that's so cruel i know like i i got it in five which is or four which is not bad for me but i was just like i was just mad when i found out that it was two double letters
0: Yeah, no, that's kind of rude. So you've moved on to something better.
1: Yes, well, the problem... Well, I still do my wordle every day, but the problem is that I'm still addicted to the sensation of the wordle. Mm. Um, And so I've started playing les mots. So, Clea, could you please translate for us?
0: It means the word.
1: Yes, mot is word in French. And basically, it's just wordle in French, which... Is fun for me because I don't really speak, I don't have a very good French vocabulary. So it often just involves me putting like the three, five letter French words that I know and then solving the anagram. And and rearranging the letters. Learning a new French word. So, um, but they're so fun. Like I think the other day we did one and it was like sphere. Which is just sphere. So nice. Um, And yeah. I'm really enjoying that because a lot of people swear by the starting word "adieu" in wordle. In normal wordle, but it works in limo as well. So that's awesome. But yeah, Um, and also my other academic wreck is Norman Swan. Like, I don't think I can explain how much I modulate my behavior towards Norman Swan. Like, if he, I love
0: his like morning covid updates on the abc like uh.
1: corona cast with tegan taylor yeah. and he's just so sensible he's such a good health communicator in that he's very research science orientated um but not but very good at communicating in plain language so i would highly recommend if you've got covid anxiety to get a bit more into norman swan
0: he also has a very, like, ASMR kind of voice, so you can fall asleep to it. Scottish accent.
1: But some, mm-hmm. for some reason he has beef with dentists, but I don't know why. I just know that he has beef with dentists.
0: Uh-oh, don't tell your dad.
1: Well, my dad told me that about the Norman Swan dentist.
0: Oh. So maybe he's already
1: involved in it. Yeah, I don't know. They're, like, having a Twitter fart right now. Um, and then, yeah, I've also got a drink-themed bimbo rec, which, if you know me, you know... I love diet coke and it's like the ultimate bimbo drink right like donald yeah. trump um gossip girl like all the girlies love a diet coke but i'm sick of asking for diet coke and just being given a no sugar
0: i know like it's the point where at the point where they don't even ask you and i'm like coke no sugar tastes disgusting yeah diet coke tastes like radio static in the best way
1: yeah it's like brrrr on your brain. Yeah. Coke, no mm-hmm. sugar. I don't want it. So when they're like, here, have a Coke, no sugar. I'm like, I wouldn't, I would have said no, thank you. Yeah. And I can taste the difference. You're not fooling me. So true. Kim, there's people dying, but like, yeah. <laughs> I just hate getting no Coke, no sugar. So yeah, normalised Diet Coke and have a Diet Coke today because we've been told for years that they're cancer, carcinogenic, but actually life's too short. And so you should just go out and drink a Diet Coke. And yeah, I was worried about my teeth and my Diet Coke consumption. So I consulted my dentist who informed me that it's really only a problem if you have like three a day. So you can have one and your teeth will be fine. That's so
0: nice. I um, remember this Reductress article that was just so good once. And it was like, woman who drinks five Diet Cokes a day hopes science is working on a cure for whatever
1: she's getting. (laughs) So good. So good. Anyway, love Diet Coke. All right. The other fun segment that I thought we could do in relation to, if you haven't guessed already, what we're talking about today is um, bimbo drinks and academic drinks because today we're talking about drinking culture and alcohol and Slandering that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So some academic drinks, I think Sazerac, to me, is very like, you know, literature vibes.
0: You drink it in the library, like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's just something so like, because I think the Sazerac when is the Sazerac the one with the absent? Then you roll it around in the glass.
0: Yeah. Something
1: yep. so sophisticated and, like, academic about, like, yeah, about that. Mm.
0: And, like, it would go well with a cigar, kind of art. Like.
1: Yeah. And also a martini, I think. Like, a really nice thing. Yeah. Or a, a Gibson. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. And we also have here an, an old-fashioned or anything served neat. Like, mm-hmm. why don't you want your drink to be cold, but You know, because they're smart people who know that the alcohol will taste better, maybe.
1: Mm, I know. Sometimes I order drinks neat and then I'm like, why did I do that? Because I just, am just like staring at like a little puddle of whiskey in a jar, in a glass.
0: I just, I just love things being cold and I'm just happy to ruin a drink. Like I often will put ice in my wine and like people will just give me a a little
1: look yeah yeah but I lo- you know there's something fun about granted i mean this is a whiskey up like <laughs> in juno maker's mark up. <laughs> um and then bimbo drinks obviously pina colada
0: yeah cosmo rosé mugs
1: rosé and i just
0: realized like anything fun yeah and anything frozen
1: and then when I was, like, doing these, I was, like, wait, why is everything – why are these drinks already gendered? Like, why are all the academic ones already the mask drinks and the bimbo ones them drinks? Yeah. But then, obviously, like, drinks, can they even be gendered? We'll get into it. Um, Honestly. And what's your go-to drink at the bar? At the bar.
0: Mm. At the bar – I usually get like whatever the least offensive wine is, like a wine whose name I recognize, but I'm really boring. Like I'm not a big classic cocktails girl.
1: Hmm.
0: And so I never want to order a cocktail when I, there's not a cocktail menu because I'm like, I always just forget everything except a Negroni. And then I'm like, I don't even like Negroni so much. <laughs> Do you have any spirits
1: or spritzes or things that you like?
0: Not really, because I just go through phases of like fixating on one and then getting sick of it. So like I went through a gin phase, but now I'm kind of like I'm over that now. So I've got to move on to something else. Mm. What about you? You have very sophisticated drinking um, (laughs) preferences.
1: Because I'm a one drink wonder. So I want my one drink to be fun and mm. enjoyable and effective. Um, but if I'm just at the bar, I'll normally just get a vodka soda because I, yep. I like how it clean it tastes. Or a house, skinny bitch House Red, if I'm sitting down to dinner. But really mm. more than anything, I love a dirty martini. So, so like just the most dirtiest, dirtiest, dirtiest martini possible, like where it's like drain water and you think you would have to pour it out. I'm like, give it to me right now. That uh. is disgusting. Give it to me now um delicious and i also like a lot of yeah um and digestive spirits because mm. um, they're good with coke and also when you're out and you're drinking like a fernet and coke and someone's like can i have a sip of your drink they're like ew that's disgusting and then you get to you don't have to share have it. more of it Or yeah. by the <laughs> um and then you're like mysterious uh, but
0: so mysterious
1: but i love a dirty martini and i love ordering dirty martinis i love doing like a little stand-up comedy routine when i'm trying to like explain how dirty i want my martini
0: that's so fun yeah
1: thank you samantha jones
0: Ah, uh, she really paid for the way.
1: yeah and obviously we're both very partial to a natty wine
0: Oh, uh, I'm so partial to a nanny wine that it's kind of embarrassing. I just love wine. I'm a wine mum in the making.
1: Mm, love some juicy glue glue. <laughs> <laughs> so somewhat unsurprisingly,
0: today's topic is drinking culture and the natural wine industrial complex. Um, it's basically a my special subject, like if we were to go on a trivia show, that would be it. Mm-hmm. So we we're going to start by talking about Australian drinking culture, you know, talk yeah. about what you know. So what's your view of what Australian drinking culture
1: is? Some of the worst in the world. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. a binge drinking culture, um, binge drinking capital of the world. And I think that probably has a lot to do with emotional repression. Um, mm. But also drinking is so inherently tied into our behaviour, social behaviour. So much so that when you don't drink, you start to notice like, well, like the after work, wine or coming home and having a beer in the shower yeah. or a or wine with dinner, like, or going out on the weekend. And I think those... Of you who are intimately familiar with Paul Dylan would understand the drinking, the binge drinking definition. But many people are quite surprised to find out that it's only how many drinks?
0: Four drinks. So it used to be five, like more than five was binge drinking, but recently they edited it down. So I think most people, myself included, binge drink every time they drink.
1: Right? Like most people's like chill night is four drinks.
0: Yeah. Because that's also four standard drinks, so like it's not even four pints, like
1: you know. So it's like really just two big wines. Yeah. Um. Interesting.
0: Yeah, and so there was a good um, a global drug survey done in two thousand nineteen, and there were some amazing statistics that came out of it. So nearly half the people who drink alcohol in Australia do it specifically to get drunk. I'm definitely in that category. Um, and 68% of drinkers who consume 11 or more standard drinks on a typical occasion consider themselves responsible drinkers. I'd be also dead Also me. <laughs> uh, I wish. I wish I was more of a lightweight. Um, and we have the highest rate of people requiring emergency medical attention as a result of alcohol-related incidents.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, I think because I really tap out at, like, two drinks, so for me, the thought of drinking 11 drinks, like, I would probably escort myself to hospital. I would be be very disturbed about my behaviour.
0: That's so impressive. See, I just love to, like, once I've had a bottle of wine, then I'm like, where's the night gonna go from here? Like, there's... There's a few different ways it could go, but
1: I think when I first was 18, I was like very ready to just have a bottle of wine while I got ready. Yeah. (laughs) But I've also I never got to enjoy the hangover-free youth. Like I'll have three wines and be hungover, so
0: Oh, that's such a shame. And I was looking as well, and it seems like ever since. The white people came to Australia. It's been pretty up. We've been drinking a lot. So there was someone who was studying, like, drinking in New South Wales in the 19th century, um, and he concluded, no people on the face of the earth have ever absorbed more alcohol per head of population. They have a truly magnificent thirst. So true. Like, when you say like that. Kind of sounds good,
1: and there's heaps of colonial context to like the introduction of alcohol in Australia, um, and the ramifications mm-hmm. of that. Obviously, um, there's like indigenous fermentation practices, and they're really interesting. I might put some articles in the episode notes about that, but devastating effect that that has had is. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously, like, there's a clear demarcation between, like, you know, the experience of white Australian drinking culture and the implications for First Nations people.
0: Well, absolutely, because, yeah, in the colonial era, like, things like alcohol and, like, really sugary, preservative, kind of, like, filled food was used to, like, pay Indigenous people for things. And their bodies were obviously not used to not used to it and it's had really serious like health ramifications for first nations people
1: Mm. Mm. yeah
0: Mm. but the good news is the amount that australians drink has been declining at least for like the past 10 years
1: Mm. and we're seeing emergence of non-alcoholic alcohol products Mm. and i know that you have beef against (laughs) non-alcoholic alcohol
0: not non-alcoholic alcohol as a whole, but non-alcoholic spirits. Yeah. Like non-alcoholic enough. gin. Just drink just drink a soda water. Like gin doesn't taste good.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm very partial to a non-alcoholic beer. I, I like non-alcoholic
0: um, wine as well. Like the kind of like, you know, the fake sparkling that you drink as a kid. Like that's so fun.
1: And there's like a really fancy like non wine that's nice yeah that, yeah from butcher as well that they sell at wise child is so good Monster. Yeah. yeah
0: um but yeah that's, that's really month. part of the um the sober curious movement my least favorite word yeah, ever ew. Ew. it's just like the worst the worst phrase like just say you don't drink but if you say you're sober curious i'll be i'll be beating you
1: What's there to be curious about? You sound awful. <laughs> Literally. I don't want to know. I'm not curious at all.
0: <laughs> I'm not curious in the slightest.
1: But, yeah, we,
0: it's very ingrained into our culture to be big drinkers to the point where, like, we have this idea of the pub test for, like, politicians and celebrities, which is, like, would you want to have a beer with them? Like, that's how you can kind of tell if they're a good person. And that's why they always do so many photo ops, drinking beer. Like, Bob Hawke was, like, such a legend for being really good at sculling. He
1: really had the Guinness World Record for sculling a beer for so long. I know. I just love those videos of him at the cricket where um, someone would just hand him a beer and he would just neck it.
0: It was just, like, so impressive. Like, I don't know why you'd go into politics if you had a talent like that. Like, I would just be riding that high for my whole
1: life. Yeah. I mean, he obviously had a lot of health issues later in life. But, um... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was... So probably worth a it. Drinker.
0: Yeah. Um, but I reckon, like, this can also be pretty gendered as well. Like, it's a very masculine thing to be like, oh, do I want to go down to the pub? and like sit with them and have a pint of beer you know
1: yeah would you apply that to a female politician well I think like they probably forced Julie Gillard to go and order to dry at the pub yeah for political gain but yeah. like, preferential to a white wine and I I feel like yeah like Bill Shorten like people would compare like Bill Shorten or like um politicians that they didn't like they're like drinking ability as a way to like emasculate them which is like mm. really dumb
0: it's really dumb and um, yeah basically it's just it's just a little bit dumb you can assess if someone's a good person without having to involve beer yeah um yeah just the next thing we had was just talking about kind of like problematic or dangerous sides of alcohol culture, like obviously, because drinking and binge drinking is such a big part of our culture, it's hard to tell whether someone actually has an alcohol dependency.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, because it's so ingrained into our society and like, how much alcohol you can drink is almost like a marker of your social capacity. Yeah. And so it's
0: like, oh, do they just like having a big night? Like, are they just a really fun person? Or, you know, do they actually maybe have a bit of a dependency? Yeah, exactly. But one good good thing I will say that's quite good about drinking culture, at least in the cities in Australia, is we don't have very high rates of drink driving, which is very good, especially compared to some places like the US.
1: Yeah, where um it's... I think it's in the US probably has to do with like the age that you get your license and the age that you're legally allowed to drink as well, surely.
0: Absolutely. Cause you can get your license so young, like 14 in some States. Yeah. And then legally you can't drink till you're 21. So yeah, you should be able to like drive yourself to parties and that kind of thing because technically you're not drinking, but yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: um, And then um, I guess there's other problematic elements of drinking culture. Like, um drunkorexia which i don't really want to talk mm-hmm. about but i would just acknowledge how dangerous that can
0: yeah, be
1: yeah um, definitely and also that like mummy wine culture
0: wine mom yeah being like um mummy needs her wine
1: yeah can be very 5 o'clock somewhere yeah vibe. and it's just like alcoholism
0: yeah it's like memes, like wine is the answer. What was the question?
1: Yeah, or like those giant um, wine glasses that are like mummy size wine. Oh, yeah, and you can fit a whole bottle a in bottle. I have one of those and it's hilarious, but like it's terrifying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, the way that like everything's always a joke, which is very Australian, but can also be potentially dangerous
1: Mm.
0: if someone actually you know needs help but anyway let's talk about other countries other cultures yeah what do the Europeans do do they do it
1: better well their drinking age is a lot lower Mm. and I think like a lot of European culture as well like drinking is like something that you enjoy with food or like having a lemon flow mm-hmm. after dinner, like, you know, it's not like go out and get smashed. Obviously there's like nightlife culture in Europe, but I feel like mm. alcohol takes a more gentle role in, in lifestyle. And yeah, the drinking age is a lot younger. I wonder if there's like evidence that that creates like more responsible drinking or, or not
0: yeah I'd be interested in that because they also a lot of European countries have different ages for like beer and wine versus spirits yeah um but it would be hard I suppose to like disentangle the effect of like the actual law and the fact that people like in their homes will drink it from a much younger age because I think that yeah, that kind of like socialization around alcoholic drinking in a family context would really contribute.
1: Yeah. And maybe just a bit more trust as well, you
0: know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I always just think when I think of like drinking in Europe, I just think of that Simpsons episode when they go to see Sideshow Bob in Italy <laughs> and the town drug is a two-year-old, like it's like a little baby. And I was like, it's so
1: true. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. In the USA, I think frat parties and drinking culture is probably quite similar to Australia. Mm. Uh, and probably those same class implications that we have for drinking exist.
0: Definitely. I think also because the drinking age is 21, um obviously, like you can get a fake ID and that kind of thing, but it also kind of like, generates this kind of like dependency on older people as well like I think there's kind of phenomenon as well like with a lot of like younger girls like maybe like 18 will hang out with you know guys who are not like significantly older than them but like three or four years older kind of like not specifically just to get alcohol but like that's part of it and so it creates kind of like interesting power dynamics when you're in a situation where you're an adult but you can't get access to alcohol you need to like get someone else to get it for you.
1: Such a good point. Do you think the drinking age should be lowered or raised or stay where it is?
0: Um in America or here? Both. I think where it is like I just think when you kind of get to the stage where you're finishing high school like you're viewed as an adult for all intents and purposes. Why would you then not be able to like to drink alcohol it just kind of seems weird i'm all i'm a big fan of like regulating things rather than making them illegal so yeah i say bring it down to 18 Mm. what about you
1: yeah i think 18 because people are gonna like in an ideal world no one drinks until they're 24 but people Mm. when your brain's fully developed but people are gonna drink alcohol you know and i'm very passionate about destroying public drunkenness i mean it should should not exist <laughs> the offense of public drunkenness because yeah it's just like the stupidest thing ever yeah um, but i saw when i was researching for this episode i discovered this thing that they have in america called critter wine
0: what on earth is that
1: And basically it's like really cheap imported sweet australian wine so like gossip um, oh my is, god! Like, Rumors. and they put like an um, Australian critter on the label, so like an echidna or or a kangaroo or something, and so they're called critter wines. <gasps> How funny is that? That's hilarious! Oh my goodness! God, I love that. Yeah.
0: Speaking of getting wine from other countries, I also forgot to say this, but um, when I went to Sweden, like. There's quite a strong drinking culture there, but they have really strict laws because there used to be like lots of drinking problems in the 1900s. Um, So they've got really strict laws and alcohol is really expensive. So a lot of people will literally like go across to Denmark where alcohol is much cheaper just to buy alcohol, like in bulk.
1: That's ridiculous.
0: Like imagine just being able to go to another country to go to (laughs) Pablo.
1: Yeah, that is so so funny. Because alcohol is probably... Quite expensive in Australia compared to other places.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. To think about. And then Asian countries, I think it differs a lot from country to country, but most of the things I found were about like East Asian countries and specifically China. Mm-hmm. Um, so in China, alcohol plays a very important role in business negotiations and there's a lot of like ceremony around it. So, like, there's this person at a certain level of seniority who has to like do the toast, and there's rules about like who you make eye contact with yeah. and that kind yeah. of thing.
1: Um, um, and the cheer thing as well. I don't know about China, but in Korea and Japan, there's like rules about where where you cheers and mm-hmm. like if you, someone's superior to you, you shouldn't let their gla- you shouldn't let your glass be higher in the cheers. And yeah. obviously, these are like like historical traditions, so they don't necessarily mean that like over in China and Japan they're doing these different things but yeah it is embaked in into into the culture
0: yeah but also imagine being drunk and just like not really remembering and there's then a, um,
1: accidentally offending someone <laughs> there's a concept in Japanese drinking culture about um like the two attitudes that you present so at work, you present this very like um, sophisticated and respectful persona, and then mm. at night, when you go out to the pub with everybody, you can get drunk and express how you really feel. And they're like, yeah, it's called like honne and Tatamaya, like the two um, sides of yeah that you have in your work environment. It's really interesting.
0: That's so interesting. Yeah. And I just found it so funny that the equivalent of like cheers in China is gone I'm probably pronouncing that really wrong. I'm really sorry, which means dry the cup. So if someone says that, then you're expected to just finish your drink.
1: Like, oh, it's so stressful. It's I wonder if it's similar. And yeah, in Korean it's as so. well.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Very interesting. But yeah, it seems like um, in a lot of Asian countries, there were a lot of like, ceremonial aspects to drinking which I found really interesting like it's used to like build social bonds but also to still kind of maintain and reinforce existing hierarchies
1: yeah and it's interesting how places with like less alcohol regulation can sometimes have a better drinking culture like yeah I've noticed that um, where street drinking is legal, obviously drinking culture is an issue everywhere. But in lots of places where street drinking is legal, there's less issues with street drinking.
0: Mm, I really want street drinking to be legal.
1: Is it legal, or at least like park drinking? <laughs> is it legal in um, Sydney?
0: Um, they like it was legal in parks for a bit because of COVID, but I'm not sure if it still is. Mm.
1: It's legal here, I'm like pretty sure. Oh my God, that's amazing. I think you're just not allowed to drink within ten meters of a shop or bus stop.
0: Oh, interesting. Well, it might be the same here, I guess
1: yeah. but then, like drinking on the street like is you know in town, you'll obviously be like um ten minutes of um yeah yeah 10 meters of a shop at all times yeah so i don't know but but i just remember someone asking me to come drink in the park with them in canberra once and getting really stressed that i was going to get arrested and then googling the legislation and then being like wow maybe you can drink but i should fact check that because i don't know if that's true or not
0: yeah let's fact check that in case (laughs) In case all the Canberra girlies start going out and drinking and blaming it on us.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry, just had a hiccup. Just had a hiccup.
1: I think, yeah, we were going to maybe mention dry communities, but. Probably not something that we can authoritatively comment on. So we'll put some sources in the links too.
0: Yeah. It's just really about white people fucking things up for First Nations people and then being like, oh, well, we'll just make things better by completely getting rid of all alcohol. Mm. Like, we'll just undo it. Mm.
1: It's not helpful. And classic, like, government has taken a lot of credit for the work that, like, First Nations elders have done in um, alcohol and, yeah, reducing Mm -hmm. violence, uh, particularly um, women. So I will put some things in the links about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But let's get into natural wine Um, What is it?
1: Why do we love it? When we first started the pod, my dad texted me an article from the ABC entitled, The $30 Plus Wine Younger Drinkers Can't Stop Buying, accompanied with the comment, perhaps you can discuss this on Bimbo Industrial Complex. And... Yes, we will, Steve. Um, Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. The the definition of natural wine is hotly contested. Yeah. um, But the way that I like to explain it is like wine with nothing added in and nothing Mm -hmm. taken away.
0: I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So natural wine is a very nebulous term because it's all about like the movement and the philosophy of yeah, making wine without additives and also not doing things like straining it to remove sediment, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's also like in Australia and the US and maybe some other countries, there is like a certification that you can get as like an organic wine. Mm. Um, So that's kind of like more official, but you can still be like a natural wine without being an organic wine. It's more more of a philosophy. And then you also have lo-fi, which is like a low intervention wine. So maybe still some, like not completely natural or organic, but still a lot less than normal wine
1: mm-hmm. yeah so what does that mean to have nothing added or, or nothing taken away what are they adding or taking away
0: so the main things that are added to wines are, are like sulfites which are, that kind of help with the fermentation process and preservatives which obviously just like make the shelf life of wine longer so those are kind of the main things that get added to wine and sulfites are also the reason that a lot of wine isn't vegan because so they often use things like egg white um, to get the sulfite. So that's just something interesting. Um, but yeah, so basically, natural wine makers won't add any of this stuff. There are still like some sulfites can be naturally produced during the fermentation process. So not all natural wines are completely sulfite free, but they can obviously still be vegan. But how does that natural fermentation kind of work?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked. Basically, the natural fermentation in a lot of cases centers around like the production of yeast. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically yeast bacteria will eat the sugar and then produce alcohol yeast bacteria is thing i mean just the yeast but yeah it will eat eat the bacteria uh, eat the sugar and then produce that alcohol so that's why um like historically it's very traditional process like um mead was traditionally made with like the sugar in honey um when Mm -hmm. you make kombucha the reason why it ferments is that yeast fermentation um and that's a different fermentation process to like other fermentation, like yogurt or pickles, which involves the lactobacillus or bacterial ferment. Um, but you can find some really cool, interesting wines that play around with different types of wild, what we call wild fermenting. Um, so focusing in on that, on that yeast.
0: So cool. Yeah. So there can be a really huge, range of natural wines as well because it's not just like one specific process or type of grape and there's a lot of research on it and people are always discovering kind of like new methods so it's very interesting
1: and i think a lot of people um a lot of natural winemakers are like quite cautious to to note that it's not a new or trendy process like it's actually Mm -hmm. the oldest most traditional wine making processes in the world Um, that's just become renewed with technology and interest and et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely aligns with kind of consumer preferences that are moving towards obviously sustainability and kind of like environmentally conscious products, but also like locally produced and small businesses.
1: Yeah. And we love a natural wine label. Like why are they always just so much prettier?
0: Oh, I love it. That's why I keep them all. Put candles in them. Mm-hmm. Sharehouse sheet decor yeah. and like baby's breath.
1: Yeah, it's literally the best sharehouse decor of all time. I know,
0: and it's so like it's so good. It really feeds into my individuality complex. If you like are buying a bottle from like a micro winery, and you're like,
1: yeah, you've probably never heard of this. Mm. I love to stick the labels. I have a journal where I like peel the labels off. Uh, stick them in. My friend friend of the pod Tegan taught me that if you put hot water in the bottle, it dissolves the glue and then you can peel the label off and stick it on stuff. Hot tip.
0: That is so Oh my God.
1: I'm gonna do that. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, and so why do we get our lovely little bits of sediment at the bottom of a natural wine bottle?
1: Uh basically because they don't filter the wine in a lot of places. Mm -hmm that may produce natural wine. So um, you get a little bit of a natural sediment at the bottom of your glass, which could include a bit of grape, a bit of yeast, a bit of, you know.
0: Mm. Yeah. And also when they're making things like a pet gnat, which just means naturally sparkling, um, they obviously, like, because they're allowing like the natural production of gases they just have to like cap it off so that well the gas doesn't escape
1: also and we love i love opening a pet nap because it will explode delicious
0: explode. So yeah.
1: love pet gnats so good now and so you go well i was gonna say do you get hungover from drinking natural wine like fact or fiction
0: Look, I very rarely get hungover at all, so must be nice. It's because I'm a, a big, big old water drinker. Like I just drink so much water. Um, so I couldn't really tell you. What about you?
1: I I don't know if it's placebo or not, but I definitely find that I will feel a lot better if I have a night on the natties than if I'm drinking like more processed alcohol. Um. But there is some scientific basis to this claim. Mm. So, again, when we're talking about the organic
0: wine certification, there's a lot less sulfites that are allowed to be in an organic wine. So, in like a normal wine, you can have up to 300 parts per million. Um, In an organic wine, you can only have up to 150 parts per million. But in a completely natural wine, like it could be as low as like 10 to 30 parts per million. So there are a lot less sulfites. But sulfites are not necessarily the only thing that cause hangovers. So there's also other things in wine like histamines, tannins, and even just the alcohol that can cause a lot of um, hangover symptoms like you know if you get a headache. But some people are sensitive to sulfites. Um, I have a friend who's completely allergic to them. So sulfite sensitivity can manifest like um, in things like wheezing, dyspnea, which is just shortness of breath, nausea, stomach cramps, diarrhea, hives, itching and swelling and tingling sensations. If you ever get them after drinking, sometimes I do. So it really depends on your body and if you're sensitive to sulfites or if you're sensitive to other things in alcohol.
1: Oh, that's really interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think there was like when natural wine first started becoming a thing, there was a big like, oh my God, it makes you so much less hungover, which I'm fine if it's just a placebo effect. I don't mind a placebo. Mm.
1: I just find, yeah, it's a lot more drinkable as well because often it doesn't have that super um, tannic taste. And sometimes you Mm. get natural wines that are un-oaked and which is really, really nice. Mm. Smooth drinkable juice, yeah. People love to call natural wine juice,
0: yeah, but um, it is like juice sometimes, like vinegary juice, and I love it.
1: Pickle juice, mm. yeah, I love pickle juice wine. Um, so,
0: for every natural wine girlfriend, there is a craft there is beer, also, boyfriend. there is, so I think we need to discuss craft beer.
1: Chilled red GF Cooper's Green BF.
0: <laughs> I just think the reason craft beer is so big, I mean, I guess it's also that, like, you know, sustainable local production methods, but I think it's also because, like, it's not okay for men to not like beer. So, craft beer is just becoming less and less beer over time.
1: Yeah, like pineapple fruit juice survived. Yeah. It's delicious, but like, yeah what's going on there?
0: So it's kind of like, I think we can really thank toxic masculinity for (laughs) the range of craft beer.
1: All craft beer is disgusting though. Like who actually wants to drink a milkshake beer? You have to be sick in the head.
0: Yeah. Or anything that's like chocolate
1: stout, gingerbread stout.
0: I'm like, it just tastes like Vegemite. Like it's not going to taste like chocolate.
1: Yeah. rank. I know sometimes I'll go to like old bridge and I'll be like looking at the beers because I'm like today's the day that I finally drink beer and then I'll just end up talking to the guy for like half an hour about how I don't like beer and then he's like try this sour and then I just have like mm. some weird like peach jam mulberry lemon lime milk sour <laughs> in my fridge, and then yeah I just won't ever drink it up
0: I mean I like a sour but that's because it doesn't really taste like beer
1: yeah I love a uh, a pink sour what sour
0: <laughs> yeah i once um was at a brewery and i'm like i'm not a big beer girl so i just went up and i was like oh can i just have like your girliest beer and i made a big mistake because this was in south Korea, and the guy's like i don't think you can say that like drinks are inherently gendered like i don't know what you mean i was like okay king um now I'm gonna to have to like go through and you're actually gonna to have to tell me about all the beers and waste your own time. Like, congratulations. <laughs> That's
1: so funny. Like, okay. <laughs> and then like, you know what I mean. No one's stand in the bar, like, excuse me, sir, what will you be drinking tonight? Cooper's green. Okay, excuse me, ma'am, what will you be drinking tonight? Pet Nat. Okay, excuse me, sir, what will you be drinking tonight? Cooper's green. Okay, excuse me, ma'am. What like, see? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the, the inverse to that is that you know that becomes this whole thing of like girls who drink beer, and like I refuse to drink beer also partly because I don't want to participate in cool girl beer culture.
0: Exactly. No, but craft beer, you know, like the cans are often cute, but it gives me the eek when people keep the cans. I'm like,
1: no, it's, it's a can. Like box. it's
0: a little piece of aluminium yeah what can you do with that you can't put flowers in that
1: no you can make a hat out of it mm. <laughs> yeah um once i saw this maybe it was a tweet from manic pixie meme queen oh she's so good like my yeast infection tastes like pbr and i've never been the same since then for a long time my bumble profile. Thing was my yeast infection tastes like craft beer um not because it does but because it was a test it was like yeah. if this is funny then you we're gonna get a lot you pass the test but yeah most people were disgusted by it and a, a couple <laughs> people were like is it a sour <laughs>
0: <laughs> good chat yeah. oh that's so beautiful so yeah craft beer we see you yeah that's it <laughs>
1: yeah and next 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 um and then I kind of want to talk a little bit more about like the gendered implications of alcohol because mm-hmm. there's so much gendering of alcohol and like don't get mad at us like it's not our fault it's literally not our fault that toxic masculinity made men not want to drink the yummy pina colada because they're delicious
0: I know like even with is like you know now they have the like brewed seltzers which are that way because like it makes tax easier but it's also like trying to make it appeal to men as well being like this is brewed this is like basically beer it's like just drink a white floor if you want to drink a white claw. i'll support you
1: mm, the tax on seltzers are really high
0: yeah, yeah.
1: um yeah and I think, yeah, historically, like, women weren't allowed in bars or, um, mm. yeah, out in that that element. So, it's interesting, yeah, how that, that means that, like, beer has become a very masculine associated drink. And mm. also,
0: and you had, like, yeah, you had, like, the ladies lounge in the pub in Australia and, like, the drink for women to get was, like, a shandy, which is just beer and lemonade, which actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but it's just interesting as well that like women are given this like sweeter, watered down, more like feminized version of the men's drinks. Yeah.
1: And I think there's also a bit of nationalism involved in alcohol too. Like every culture has its own like alcohol. Like Australia, obviously beer is a big one, but um, ouzo in Greek, Lebanese, or like Turkish Raqqa um mm-hmm. korean and makoli japanese sake like there's kind of like a national drink um mm. and that can also be tied into like national and cultural identity as well um but there is this amazing like i think it's a photo it might be a photograph or a painting prints two prints that are by William Hogarth, who is an English printmaker. Um, and it's, like, one of the earliest forms of propaganda because, um, basically, it's from 1751. Um, and, basically, it's, like, Beer Street and Gin Lane because, back in the 1700s Britain, like, beer was produced in England um, and gin was, like, often imported from, like, foreign... Places. Mm. And so if you click and look at the pictures, like all the people on Beer Street are happy and like joyful and sunny, and like someone's like waving a flag in the air. And then over on Gin Lane, there's like debaucherous, like sick, dying people and like dog people eating dog bones, and like a baby like falling over a bridge. So. Oh my. um, Yeah. I think that's um some interesting history about the propaganda and um and alcohol yeah
0: very interesting and And now we have natural wine bar propaganda
1: yes natural wine bar propaganda let's talk about the natural wine bar obviously we're not naming any names but if you know you know uh (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> if you know you know look my beef with like natural wine bar and like fancy bars is they have no food game whatsoever like they will literally give you a little bowl of kettle like sea salt chips and be like that'll be 16 bucks
1: no this is what i don't understand if i'm up in the in the bar wine bar and I'm paying $10 for a bottle of wine. I mean, for a glass of wine or $12 for a glass of wine. Why am I then receiving Jats? And it's something like this weird perversion of like poor pantry, st- like tinned fish and like crackers. Yeah.
0: It's, it's like, like also, can I, I want to line my stomach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we love a delicious sourdough. like and beautiful white beans and you know yummy things like that but yeah the ones where they're like there's a wine bar in canberra where they have like chips and they're like they've like done something to the chips like they've made their own special like chip thing so they take mm. the chips like out of the packet put their like special seasoning on the chips and then put them back in like the smith's packet and like, what the fuck like oh my
0: god
1: why are you so obsessed with playing poor person while you're sitting there drinking your 14 dollar dormilona orange like it's just not appropriate it's it's just weird like
0: there's so many ways to do those kind of things well as well like make them like really yummy rather than just being like here's a tin of sardines plain enjoy
1: why are we playing like rummage the pantry
0: yeah it's literally yeah like those radio shows where like in the middle of the night someone will be like i have these five things in my pantry and they'll be like okay this is what i want you to cook
1: yeah exactly it's ridiculous um there's an account on instagram called wankers of wines of while and i'm not endorsing it because it's like it's really bullying like it's really not good but it definitely does highlight some of the strange things that happen in wine bars.
0: It must be made by someone who goes um, to Wines of a lot, though.
1: But it, like, really upsets me sometimes because, like, they'll post something and then the chef from Wines of While will reply and be like, can you stop, like, posting this Aww. unsubstantiated slander? Um, this- but, yeah. I just... I just feel like, yeah, there's such a like a meme culture around like natural wine bars and the people that frequent them. And what I want to get like they're so popular with young people, right? Like how are these like whopper students like affording, you know, to go out and drink Jura every night? And in the ABC article, one of them is like, Oh, it's because they don't aspire to home ownership anymore. So they're like living for their simple pleasures. And I was like, that's one explanation. The other explanation is that you have to have rich parents to be an artist. And so they're probably rich.
0: (laughs) Also, our monkey brains are just like simple pleasures. Have a drink.
1: Yeah, I'm going to drink my $14 glass of Express Winemakers Orange and I'm going to enjoy it with my (laughs) jats. My Aldi jats that I put in my handbag. (laughs)
0: Oh my, yeah. Then it's
1: definitely like a certain type of
0: person just in terms of like background and aesthetic that you see, you know, Mm. at the natural wine bar.
1: We love a small plate. It's very interesting. Is a natural wine bar a space you feel comfortable in?
0: Um, Honestly, yes, because I think they're made for, People like me, like white girls from well off backgrounds who like know quite a lot about wine. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> she's okay, guys. She literally studied abroad in Europe.
0: I literally, literally, it's not Champagne unless it's from the Champagne region of France.
1: Yeah, no, so. she's literally fluent in French. Okay, I don't think you want to fight her on this. <laughs> what about you? I feel like you would fit in very well, but I find them very intimidating yeah for sure and once I'm there then I can play but I always feel like I'm re- I'm putting on a, a role like I'm playing a role
0: mm. yeah. I always feel like quite
1: adversarial like
0: I feel like I'm always having to like prove myself for sure
1: yeah 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 like I remember being at a, a wine and natural wine bar in Fremantle once and then being like have you ever had a pet nap before It's like don't be fucking patronizing okay?
0: literally grow up
1: just because i got the cheapest one doesn't mean that
0: mm. what's your verdict on natural wine though is it better than yeah number one
1: yeah yeah absolutely i love a natty i love a natural wine i and mm. you know what i don't care that natural wine culture is gauche and gross and annoying and i will say natty till the day i die
0: Agreed.
1: What about you? i just think
0: as well yeah i just think it's more consistent like Every natural wine is going to have, like, a base level of quality to it, I reckon, because, like, it's kind of all made in, like, similar ways, whereas it's a lot easier, I think, if you're just taking a gamble on, like, a normal wine to go really, really wrong. So, I just reckon it's safe.
1: Yeah, a safe choice. And it's also delicious. And you look cool. You look like you know what the fuck's going on.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, do you have a low stakes hot take for me?
1: Uh, not right now. I'm trying to think of a wine-related one.
0: Mm, we've dropped some. We've dropped some today.
1: Yeah. Low stakes, hot take. Oh, uh, okay. This is a very camera-specific one. It's more actually grip. Yeah. If you're on an electric scooter, on the site on the footpath, and I get off the footpath. For you, you you should thank me. You should
0: absolutely. Thank
1: me. Because I'm a pedestrian, so technically I have right of way, and you look stupid on your electric scooter. But for some reason, whenever I do the right things, so that I get hit by a scooter, no one ever thanks me, and it's like, why is this a thankless task?
0: <laughs> Just say thank you to strangers
1: literally if someone gets off the footpath for you like you you should say thank you
0: absolutely
1: yeah what about you Got one?
0: okay this is something that I was thinking about the other day I have no idea why this came to me um but I think that goldilocks and the three bears can be read as a parable of like a rejection of the gender binary (laughs) so hear me out ava's face is interesting because like (laughs) i think i must have woken up from a dream thinking about this i don't know how i came to it um So like, obviously Papa bear represents the masculine and mama bear represents the feminine and Goldilocks is really trying to like, you know, she's trying to fit into those boxes. Like she tastes Papa bear's porridge and then mama bear's whatever. And neither of them suit her. She wants to be in between, which is where the baby bear is because as a child, like you're not fully masculine or fully feminine yet, you know? So really, it's just, you know, it's rejecting those binary gender roles and saying that it's okay to be in the middle of, like, these two binary opposites. I'm not saying that was the author's intent. I'm just saying it's a reading.
1: How could you say something so controversial? (laughs) It's so brave and so true.
0: just really something to think about, like... There aren't only two options in life in anything.
1: Yeah, I know. But isn't that the best cop out when you're writing an essay? It's like some say this, some say that. I propose that it's a hybrid oscillation between the two. It's my favorite cop out argument. It's
0: so good.
1: Hmm. I love that. That's so interesting. I can't wait to read read your um paper on that. <laughs>
0: you know what that was the paper I only have about three thoughts going around my head at any one time
1: yeah just just rattling around in my little brain exactly well well there we have it well 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 we've come to the end time to pour yourself a glass of wine
0: oh my god it's five o'clock somewhere
1: yeah well it's 9 42 a.m but yeah um it could be five o'clock somewhere and um We're happy to be back after our minor hiatus. Our hiatus. Our hiatus. We were in a hiatus era, okay? We really were. Yeah. Bye. Have a beautiful day. Love your necklace. Love your ring. You look gorgeous.
0: Bye. Thank you. Love you both.